Well, we're going to um, we're going to take a little journey here through the the death and resurrection of Christ. It's Easter. That just seems very appropriate. But I want to talk to you from the perspective of Peter's journey. I love Peter. Peter is my kind of guy, and I think all of us can probably see ourselves in Peter, because Peter is just all he's just all in, right? He's just as like whatever direction he's going. It's like 110 percent, 100 miles an hour. Josh Davis. The other day, I walked into a room. And he was talking with someone else, and I walked in, and I was like, blah, blah, blah. And JD says to me, oh, I see you entered the room mouth first. <laughs> and apparently they say that in the Davis household. But isn't that awesome? You all can use that now. That's from Josh Davis. That's a freebie. I bet Carly invented it, but Josh says it more loudly, and so he, gets, he probably gets the credit. But nonetheless, Peter's the kind of guy that enters a room mouth first, you know? And I identify with that. He's somebody who's sometimes a hot mess. You know, he just goes all after it. And sometimes is super rewarded for it because he's just, he, Jesus is just like, Peter, that is what I'm talking about. And other times he's like, Peter, you are a stumbling block to me. Get behind me, Satan. I mean, Peter's like all or nothing. And I feel like, how many of you guys just relate with Peter? And even if you don't, how many of you glad that Peter's in there so you can feel like you're better than him? Okay. <laughs> We're going to go with Peter. So let me catch you up on what's going on in the story. Jesus is with the disciples in the room that was prepared for him to, to eat Passover with the disciples. They're in Jerusalem. He's with them. They're gathered to eat the Passover meal. And Jesus has just washed their feet and told them, I want you to be a servant like I am a servant. Everybody else manages power for their own benefit, but I have come to serve and I want you to do the same. Jesus has identified that Judas is going to betray him. He's dipped the, he's dipped the bread into the hummus and handed it to, to Judas. And he says, go now quickly, do what it is that you're going to do. And Judas leaves. The other 11 disciples don't know that, Jesus, that Judas is going to betray him. And so then Jesus continues to speak with them. And he says, listen, I want you guys to be a servant like I'm a servant. The one who wants to be the greatest among you must be the servant of all. And you got to love the story. So what do they start doing? Same heart different language, they begin to argue of who's, about who's the greatest. <laughs> so us, right? It's like, oh, the most humble? Well, then I'll be the most humble, you know. It's hilarious. That's not funny to you guys? That's funny to me. And it's like, you guys need to be a servant. Okay, well, who's going to be the best servant? Well, whoever's the servant of all will be the greatest. Okay, then who's going to be the greatest, best servant of all? I bet it's me. And so Jesus says, listen, you're missing the point here, guys. And he begins to share with them, and he speaks specifically then at this moment to, to, to Peter. And, and uh, Peter had a couple of names he went by, Simon Peter, kind of like when your mom says, Joshua Alejandro Rivas, you know you're in trouble. So it's Simon Peter. So Jesus says in Luke 22, Simon Peter, stay on your toes. This is from the message. Satan has tried his best to separate all of you from me like chaff from wheat. And Simon, I've prayed for you in particular that you do not give in or give out. When you've come through the time of testing, turn to your companions and give them a fresh start. In, in other translations, he says, when you, have, when you have come back, strengthen your brothers. And Peter said, Master, I'm ready for anything with you. I'd go to jail for you. I'd die for you. And Jesus said, I'm sorry to have to tell you this, Peter, but... Before the rooster crows, you're going to have three times denied that you even know me. Ouch. Jesus then leads them in the Lord's Supper. So do you see everything that's going on? He washes their feet. He says, you need to be a servant. He tells Peter, listen, I've been praying for you, Peter, specifically because Satan has actually asked to sort you like wheat. 
Then, he's, then he takes them and he leads them in communion. They don't know yet that Jesus is the Passover lamb. They've been celebrating Passover their entire lives. And for hundreds of years, people have been celebrating Passover. And now Jesus is coming as the lamb that will be slain. They don't know that yet. He leads them in that and he says, I want you to understand this is my body, which is broken for you. He gives them the bread. They still don't get it. Jesus was rather mysterious at times for them. He'd just say things. They're like, I don't know what he means. Do you know what he means? I have no idea. Are you going to ask him? I'm not going to ask him. He'll probably explain it later. He probably knows what we're saying. And half the time he would be like, I know what you're saying. Wouldn't that be wild <laughs> if you with Jesus? So they're just like, okay, take the bread. He gives them the cup. He says, this cup is poured out for you, and it's the new covenant in my blood. It's all happening within a matter of hours. This is, the, this is the rundown. And after serving them communion, then he prays for them. And John 17 says it this way. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. Jesus, give them eternal life. Isn't that amazing? And then he breaks it down. He says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is eternal life, that they know me and that they know you. Wow. We live forever because we know him. Matthew 26 continues the story. And when they had sung a hymn, so they finished, Jesus finished the prayer, and then they sung a hymn together. They're having church up in there. And then they went out to the Mount of Olives, and Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And Peter answered him, though they all fall away because of you. This is the second time Peter's getting brave and courageous. Though these guys, these chuckleheads, these tens, they might fall away. But I will never fall away. And Jesus said to him, truly I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same thing. So this is the second time now, within a few hours, that Jesus said, you're going to deny me, Peter. So Jesus asked Peter and John then to come with him. And they go into a garden called Gethsemane. And Jesus begins to pray. And after a few hours, Judas shows up with the guards. You guys are familiar with this story. Judas shows up with the guards. He betrays Jesus with a kiss. And they begin to take Jesus. Peter has a sword. And he pulls out the sword. And he cuts off this guy named Malchus's ear. So he, he started well in standing up for Jesus. He's got his sword. He's still feeling pretty courageous. He's probably assuming Jesus is going to, like, call in the legions of angels or something. But Jesus tells Peter, put your sword away, Peter. And then he picks up the guy's ear and puts it back on. <laughs> You're like, what are you doing, Jesus? This is not going to plan. This is not how we overthrow this kingdom. <laughs> and he says, Peter, the scripture must be fulfilled. And the, and the disciples are like, we don't understand what's going on. And they run. And they take Jesus bound 
away to the authorities. This is all happening within hours of Peter and the disciples all saying that they would die with Jesus if need be. They're bewildered, they're terrified, and then becomes the mock trial of Jesus. And we're familiar with how that situation was going. It was pretty much just set from the beginning. Peter and another disciple are able to enter the courtyard where Jesus is being cross-examined by the authorities. And Luke 22 recounts the, uh, the account this way. When they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. And then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, this man was with him. But he denied it, saying, woman, I don't know about him. I don't even know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, um, you were also one of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, another one insisted, saying, Okay, certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned, and he looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out, and he wept bitterly. Peter's failed in the day of trouble. His courage has given out. In fact, he was in such a state that he didn't even consider that he was denying Jesus. Did you catch that? He, he was in survival mode. He was terrified. He was a failure. It wasn't until Jesus looked at him that he realized, wait a minute. I just denied you three times. He's, you, has anybody ever here been in fight, flight, or freeze? Has anybody ever been so terrified that you didn't even know what to do? You just went into survival mode? Well, Peter was in that mode, and it wasn't until Jesus looked at him, and then he realized, I just did the very thing that two times in a row, a few hours ago, I said, I will die for you. These people might all leave you, but there's one person you can count on, Jesus, and it's me. And the minute that it happened, he's like, I don't even know him. Jesus just said that eternal life is to know God. And he knows that previously Jesus had said, if you, if you affirm me in front of men, then I will affirm you in front of my father. But if you deny me in front of men, I will deny you in front of my father. If you deny me, you're not worthy of the kingdom. And Peter, in his one moment, the moment he had, his big moment, and he denies him three times right in front of Jesus. And Jesus looks at him and he remembers. How many of us can identify with this? How many of us can identify with coming short on our promises? How many of us have felt so courageous and strong one moment and then in the next just totally violated our word? You don't have to raise your hand. If you're drawing breath, I think you could probably identify with being in this position. We did the thing we said we would never do. We said the words we swore we would never say. We all can identify with Peter. He's living out the same thing that we've all lived out one time or another. As I read the words from this scripture, it says, Peter remembered the saying of the Lord. You'll deny me three times. And then he went out and he wept bitterly. It made me think of the lyrics from a song you probably have heard. This world can hurt you, cuts you deep and leaves a scar. Things fall apart, 
But nothing breaks like a heart. No, nothing breaks like a heart. How many of us know the bitter reality of heartbreak? The deep scars inflicted by others, the deep scars of our own decisions, things fall apart. And then nothing breaks like a heart. You just look at what you did and your heart just breaks. Or you're the victim of something and it's just, it's just, it's done. It's just done. And now you go, what do I do now? The hero I had failed. The friend that I had hates me or lied to me or left me or the lover that I had or the whatever. It's broken. Nothing breaks like a heart, huh? Peter must have felt that crushing weight of having shrunk back, having run, having lied. And now he's going to forever bear the shame of his failure. It will never change. This is now his history. Peter, the liar. Peter, the denier. His choice has been made, and he denied Christ. His confidence is gone. His hope is gone. His reputation now is forever set. And they crucify Christ. And his Messiah, his hero, is dead. How many of us can identify with that sense of permanency in those decisions that you made, in those places that you were affected by decisions someone made? How many of us understand the depth of the scar and the brokenness of the heart? And then we, we feel that sense of, I can't go back and unmake this. I can't unbreak this. I can't unsay that word. I think we all identify with that. And Jesus says, it is finished, and he's gone. Mark 16 says, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salom bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb, and they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. <laughs> He's not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee, and there you will see him, just as he told you. Now, I love this. Did you catch that? Go tell his disciples and Peter. He's already, he's already working towards the restoration of Peter. I want you to catch that. He's already working towards our restoration in that place where we denied him. I love that. Let's take up the story then. John 21. I'm going to read this to you out of the message. After this, Jesus appeared again to the disciples, and this time at the Tiberias Sea, the Sea of Galilee. It's all starting to come together, huh? And this is how he did it. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed Twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the brothers Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. And Simon Peter announced, I'm going fishing. 
And the rest of them replied, we're going with you. They went out and they got in the boat and they caught nothing that night. When the sun came up, Jesus was standing on the beach, but they didn't recognize him. And Jesus spoke to them, good morning. Did you catch anything for breakfast? And they answered, no. And he said, throw the net off of the right side of the boat and see what happens. They did what he said, and all of a sudden there were so many fish in it, they weren't strong enough to pull it in. And then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the master. And then Simon realized it was the master. He threw on some clothes, for he was stripped for work and dove into the sea. This part always doesn't make sense to me. It's like, you're going to dive into the water. He threw his clothes on and jumped in the ocean. This is so Peter, right? It's just like, this makes sense to me. I might need them later. I don't even, does anybody else just pause on that? Like, what were you doing? Okay. Nothing to do with the message, but I'm glad we talked about it. The other disciples came in a boat, for they weren't far from land, 100 yards or so, pulling along the net full of fish. And when they got out of the boat, they saw a fire laid with fish and bread cooking on it. And Jesus said, bring some of the fish you just caught. Simon Peter joined them, and he pulled the net to the shore, 153 big fish. And even with all those fish, the net didn't rip. You know this is a true story, because why would you mention how many fish they were and that they were big? Because these guys were fishermen. They're like, you do need to know. It was an amazing catch. They were huge fish. But back to the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? It's, funny. it's just funny to me. I love that he loves us. Okay. And Jesus said, breakfast is ready. Not one of the disciples dared to ask, who are you? Because they knew it was the master. Jesus then took the bread and he gave it to them. And he did the same with the fish. And this was now the third time Jesus had shown himself alive to the disciples since being raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, master, you know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And then he asked a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, master, you know that I love you. And he said, shepherd my sheep. And then he said it a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was upset that he asked him for the third time, do you love me? And so he answered, Master, you know everything there is to know. You've got to know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. And then Jesus says, I'm telling you the very truth now. When you were young, you dressed yourself and you went wherever you wished. But when you get old, you'll have to stretch out your hands while someone else dresses you and takes you where you don't want to go. And he said this to hint at the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he commanded, follow me. I'm going to make one point. Peter had said, I will die for you. And then he had failed to do so. And Jesus is affirming him in that moment, Peter, you won't make that mistake again. You will glorify me in your life and you will glorify me in your death. So he was affirming Peter, letting him know, you really will die a glorious death for me. You won't deny me again. That being said, I want you to catch this. Here's Jesus right beside the fire, the place where Peter denied Jesus was in a courtyard beside a fire. And three times he stood there as his Messiah was being examined and he denied him. Three times standing next to the fire. And Jesus is giving Peter the chance to be redeemed. 
In the very place that he denied, in the very place that he failed, Jesus is risen and he's saying, Peter, this isn't permanent. Peter, things might fall apart. Nothing breaks like a heart. You failed me in this place. I'm risen. I'm in this place. And that place where you failed, that's not permanent. I am risen. That thing that you did by this fire, it died with me. That failure, that denial, that sin, that fear, that shame, it was real and it happened. But it died with me, Peter. And the news is even better, Peter. Here I am where you failed. Here I am where you're afraid. Here I am where you don't have hope anymore. Where all you can think about is shame. Where every time the enemy comes, he says, I remember what you did. And you will be forever known by what you did. And he says, Peter, I'm right here by the fire. I'm right where you failed. And that died with me. But Peter, it gets better. I've risen. I'm alive. And I want to know, Peter, do you love me? And he says, I do love you. And he says, good. Peter. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Peter, do you love me? Do you see what I'm doing, Peter? You denied me three times. I'm saying you can take it another, take another shot, Peter. Here we are at the fire and it's not permanent. You died with me there and you're rising with me here. And I want you to know right now, I don't know where you failed. I know where I failed. When I think about that, I think about the stupid promises I made as a young man. I think about the dumb things I've done as a middle-aged man. And you know what makes me so filled with gratitude and humility? Is that Jesus lets those things die and they're not permanent. And I don't have any confidence in my ability to be a great guy. I'm not a great guy. I'm somebody that Jesus loves and I died with Christ and I'm coming up as something new because he's risen and he's in that place and those things are not permanent and your stuff is not permanent. So wherever it is that every time you look in the mirror, then you think I was by the fire and denied Jesus, you know where your fire is. And Jesus is right there and he's saying, do you love me? Do you love me? Because I've risen and I want you to rise with me. That is in my blood. That is covered. See, that's why this is good news. It's not because we're great people. He's a great Messiah. It's not because we're courageous. It's because he's alive. It's not because we're wise. It's because he's alive. It's not because we're amazing. It's because he's with us. He is risen. He is here. And he loves you. And he's asking you, today is a new day. Do you love me? Let's stand together. Every single one of us, the enemy, wants to sift us like wheat. He wants to take our life. He wants to make it permanent. But Jesus has prayed for us, and today is our moment. So let's just pray together. Let's just pray together because Jesus is saying, listen, I've prayed for you. And now that you're past that moment of temptation, strengthen each other. Now, who here is ready to meet Jesus beside the fire? Let's pray together. Jesus, well, yeah, if you want to repeat after me, <laughs> I didn't really invite that, but I'm inviting it now if you'd like to, feel free. <clears throat> Jesus, Jesus. I, believe you're the Messiah. I believe you're the Messiah, and I need a Savior. My best efforts are not enough. 
where I have sinned, I ask you forgive me. Where I've denied you, I ask you to forgive me. Please restore me. Please be with me. Please give me your Holy Spirit. And teach me how to be your friend. Thank you for your death. Thank you for your resurrection. I choose you back. And I love you. Teach me all things. Amen. He is risen! Woo!